Okay, Parashas Vayechi really ends the saga with Yosef and the Shvatim. A sheer, a fascinating Chazal. Regarding Yosef, many different Shvatim in this Gemara, and trying to go through perhaps a very, very interesting approach. Gemara says that Yosef, at the end of his tenure in, in Mitzrayim, buried three treasures in Mitzrayim. And the Gemara says that these three treasures, one of them was found by Korach, one of them was found by Antoninus, and one of them will be found lost Lavo, when Mashiach comes. The Gemara talks about seemingly sound like physical treasures that he buried and hid in Mitzrayim. It's a simple shot in the Gemara. And somehow one of them was discovered by Korach, don't see necessarily Korach going to Mitzrayim, but that's what the Gemara says. Antoninus. Antoninus was a contemporary of Rebbe, or of Yudah Hanasi, who the author of Mishnayis. And the Gemara talks about there's a number of different stories told by Antoninus. He, was, he wasn't Jewish, but he was a Roman general who was very friendly with Rebbe, of Yudah Hanasi. They had a very, very close relationship. And the Gemara says he found a second treasure. And the third one, it's hidden away, lost a level. So what exactly are these treasures referring to? Seemingly on a, on a deeper level, it's not just a physical treasure, not just a monetary treasure, but something certainly beyond that. And what exactly is found by Korach, what is found by Antoninus, what is found by Lassler, what exactly does that mean? There's a sefer called Paradis Yosef, which is a sefer, it's an earlier sefer on Chumash. And he has a beautiful understanding of what these treasures are, and exactly each one, how they found them. And he says that Yosef had many different challenges and struggles in his career in Mitzrayim. And the Gemara is referring to three different concepts that he struggled with, that he was able to be successful with, and then passed those on to, few, to future generations. And this is the first treasure was that when a Kodesh Baruch Hu wills something, particularly in terms of leadership of Klal Yisrael, or leadership of, of, in general, no matter who or how wants to be able to fight that, it's not going to work. Meaning that there's a particular role that a Kodesh Baruch Hu decides and chooses the leaders of Klal Yisrael, and those leaders have the siyata d'shmaya to get to their position, to maintain their position, and to act in their position. And no matter how or what or who wants to try to thwart that, there is an impossibility of that being stopped if Akash Baruch Hu wants that. Yosef was a primary example of that. Yosef had the halomus, which already, as many Mephoshim learned, were a nevuah, that he was going to be a leader and a melech. The shvatim certainly try to stop that. All they can, they didn't accept it, they didn't believe it, they wanted to destroy it, they try to kill him, they try to certainly destroy that possibility of him becoming a melech. They didn't see any value to it. And obviously, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem Yisokim, that the Eitz of Hashem, what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants, particularly for leadership, in general, that's obviously true, but particularly focused in this scenario, vis-a-vis leadership of Yosef, there is an impossibility of anyone to change, stop, 
affect anything in terms of that. And that's the first treasure. The Yosef shared that the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Ratzon of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is going to be played out. No matter how much human beings or others try to stop that. Unfortunately, Karach learned this lesson as well. Karach found this treasure, but unfortunately took the lesson and, and, and didn't appreciate the lesson of, of Yosef. He discovered it, but discovered it the hard way. We know that Karach tried to fight Moshe's leadership, didn't accept it, had tightness on the fact that Moshe was a leader in the first place. One, one of the things he expresses was, Everyone's kadosh. Everyone deserves to be in a leadership role. Everyone deserves to be in a role of of someone to Moshe Rabbeinu. Why is it one person who was leading over Klal Yisrael? That was Korach's Taina, obviously a Taina which has no basis. There does need to be leadership. There does need to be someone who's inspiring, someone who's leading, someone who's taking charge of Klal Yisrael. And Korach's Taina against that was trying to destroy Moshe's leadership. And Korach discovered this treasure. Again, discovered it the hard way, because when he tried to fight and do all that he can to destroy the leadership of Moshe Rabbeinu, obviously it didn't end well for him, and his lack of ability to accept and to realize that those who are Kodesh Baruch who choose in the leadership role of Klai Yisrael is integral and something which the Kodesh Baruch who needs and wants and is, feels is a necessity for Klai Yisrael is something which is going to happen, no matter how much or how vicious someone tries to fight that it's not going to make any difference. And that's really the first idea, the first lesson, the first concept that Yosef put in. The second was in terms of being involved, and this is particularly relevant, something which we struggle with today, particularly something which we very much find ourselves struggling with all the time, is our involvement with the non-Jews around us and dealing with, or how do we deal with anti-Semitism? How do we deal with that? I just want to go back for one step for a second. In, 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 the, in the first idea of the leadership concept, you know, I, I, was, I was thinking about this being very much relevant, certainly in today's society, right? That we have a president who is probably the most contentious president that ever was in the history of America for sure. And the idea and the concept that he's there only because HaKadosh Baruch wants him to be there, HaKadosh Baruch without question, hand-picked him and hand-chose him. Do we understand why? Do we understand all the reasons behind that? No. But there's something about his, and particularly a leader, the, the Svarim talk about that when someone's in a leadership role particularly, they have, they have a higher level of, say, after the Shmaya, certainly, because their actions and their decisions don't just affect them, it affects potentially the entire world, particularly an American president, his actions affect the entire world, and therefore there's almost like a higher level of shkacha process for that person, a higher level of, of necessity of a Baruch to be involved in their day-to-day actions. You know, it's interesting that Goyim in general don't really have a shkacha process. There's a concept which is found in Svarim that differentiates between a shkacha klalis and a shkacha process. And the extreme of that is animals. Animals only have Ashkacha Klalis, which means Kashbaruch has no doesn't get involved in which animal survives which one doesn't. That's Ashkacha Klalis. He Kashbaruch wants there to be 
X amount of elephants in the world. X amount. Which ones survive, which ones don't? Kashmir Holmes doesn't get involved in. Whatever that means, on, on Kashmir doesn't, doesn't get involved in that. Shkachal Pratis doesn't interact with each elephant in particular, nor any other animal. There's only a Shkachal Klolis. It means Klolis to the min, to the overall min of that thing. And that's the way all the Svarim, the Desloites, and, and, and earlier, for to the Shkach of animals, is only Klolis. The opposite extreme is Shkachal Pratis. Every single person, every single action, every single thing is all Pratis. And Goyim is somewhere in between. Goyim don't necessarily have the same Shkachal Pratis as, as Klai Yisrael does, as each individual does. But it's clear that someone who's involved, their actions make a difference for everyone, Klai Yisrael and the rest of the world, certainly has a much higher level of Shkachal Pratis. Kashbaruch is involved with them and their, and their going-ons in a much, much more intimate way. And that's because of the effect that, the, that a leader has. And I, I was thinking in, in this context, this idea from the power of the COC, that Kashbaruch who handpicked and handshows, and, and it didn't just happen that such a person becomes a leader, even though there's certainly things that we struggle with and certain things that we, that we don't necessarily agree with. There's much that we're thankful for. Obviously, there's, there's both of those components. But there's a realization that this is how Kashbaruch who wants it to play itself out. And there's you know, the idea, the notion of Something like this could just happen is obviously impossible. Kashbaruch is certainly in every aspect, every detail of a melech, and really every one of their decisions, major or minor, is very much directed by a Kashbaruch because the decisions they make are not just relevant to themselves, relevant to the entire world and Klayusol as well. And that's a it's a much that that's this treasure that we have to the realization of how particularly leaders are very much orchestrated by Kadesh Baruch Hu. Their being there, their involvement, their interactions are totally orchestrated by Kadesh Baruch Hu. I think there's a Pasuk, I think it's a Mishlei, Leif Sarim Yad Hashem, that the, the decisions of Sarim, of, of officers, and particularly kings and presidents, are, are totally controlled by Kadesh Baruch Hu. They almost don't have, they have a, almost a limited level of Bechira, more limited level of Bechira than a regular person does, which is, Kashbaruch doesn't usually take away Bechira from a person. But when someone's actions are so... Uh, the impact of them is, 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 is so great. And so then Kashbaruch who influences their actual decisions, their actual things that they decide. So you know, we, could, we could see a, a president doing, saying, involved in certain things. Many things were... were, were we don't know exactly every single word, etc. But certainly much of, what, of, of the decisions that are made are... Orchestrated by Kodesh Baruch Hu, more than for a regular person, more than for just an individual who's relevant to really only himself. So that's one thing I was thinking, particularly in terms of leadership and how that plays itself out in the world, even by non-Jews, even by someone who's, who's, who's not Jewish, but being impacted is so great. That's number one. Going right to the second is, is in terms of our involvement with the, with the world around us, and involvement with the nations around us. And you know, Yosef was certainly the epitome of this, someone who in, in no way and never compromised on his values as a Evan Hashem, as someone who really fought the values and the ideals of Mitzrayim. I mean, I mean the very fact that he started his, his I mean, the whole act with, with Potiphar, the Sfarim say that, and it's really clear in the Pesukim, that Potiphar was trying daily to seduce Yosef that incident that took place was something which was the, the climax of the whole story, in which she, with everyone left and no one was around, and she really tried to, to 
physically attack him. But this was something which was going on daily. And there was certainly something which was very much pervasive in Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim was the, was the epitome of what's called Erev Asa'aretz, the, right, the immorality which was relevant and prevalent in, in Mitzrayim was something which was very, very much part of the society. And Yosef fought that. And fighting someone who was a prestigious person, and so too when he came, you know, even to Paro, and referring to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and referring to his decisions being made by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and influenced by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and they doesn't make his own decisions, all those aspects were Yosef really maintaining his own identity. And it was clear that Yosef was seen and perceived by the world by, by first when he was in jail, then by Paro himself, seen as someone unique, someone different. Which means he maintained the values and the ideals of what he stood for. In a society which stood for the opposite, in a place which no one appreciated and, and really was able to live that, that type of lifestyle, he was able to live independently and live, live on his own. And that ideal of being able to live among the world around us and maintain our own identity and maintain our own values and have a pride in them and not necessarily be cowered into falling into the, to the ways of, of, of the world around us, Yosef epitomized that. And there was a treasure that he gave over to, the, to, to us as Klal Yisrael, a treasure that we can live and be among the nations, even as someone who's very powerful, very influential, and still maintain his values. Right? Generally, the, the more influential one, one becomes as part of a society, part of a government, part of, of a culture, the more they integrate. And you know, unfortunately, this played itself out very much in Germany, Right, as, as it's, it's clearly recorded, the amount of assimilation that took place in Germany because they felt this was almost the antidote to anti-Semitism. You come among them, be like them, act like them, talk like them, and integrate with them was exactly the opposite, obviously, took place. And this has been throughout history of Klal Yisrael that the more that we try to act like the Goyim, the more they repel us, and the more that we get, unfortunately, destroyed by them. And notice they've epitomized the opposite of that. Living among the Goyim, being influential among the guy, being a leader among the guy, and still being able to maintain his identity. And the Gemara says that treasure was found by Antoninus. Now, Antoninus with Rebbe. It means, it means not just Antoninus himself, but with Rebbe. It means Rebbe and Antoninus had a very, very close relationship. Antoninus was a Roman... Uh, he was, he was a, uh, a general. He was, he was very prestigious in the government. Rebbe had a very, very close relationship with him. Rebbe, the Gemara talks about how he used to, they used to interact, they used to have meals together, they used to, they used to spend time together. And... Antinus had a tremendous respect for Rebbe. That respect came from the fact that Rebbe maintained who he was and didn't in any way try to lower his own values, lower his own value system to be able to maintain a friendship with Antoninus. He was very much maintained who he was. That's who Rebbe stood for. He was the, right, I mean, the author of Mishnayis and, and the Tamachacham that he was and the, and the Gadol that he was certainly maintained his own identity. And that was the second treasure. And this is certainly something that we you know, very much you know, struggle with. Right? The, the, one of the hardest times, and it's something which we, we often perceive very much at this time of the year when the world celebrates and the, the nations around us celebrate in ways very different than we do. Right? Their idea of a holiday looks very different than our idea of a holiday their idea of a holiday party looks very different than our idea of a holiday party. And, and, and these struggles which come up, because we're, um, we live among them, we are among them, we're 
in some ways can't divorce ourselves from the world around us, but the ability to maintain our separate identity and, and culture and, and really hold strong to that is very, very difficult. Now, I've, I've spoken to numerous people over the past few weeks, each one coming with their own challenge. I was on the phone last night with someone for a long time, you know, going through the challenge of, of the particular way as to involve himself with, with his non-Jewish co-workers and he has a boss who, who, who's non-Jewish and he has to, how he has to interact with them and the presence he has to give and the, you know, all the, the challenges which almost anyone in the working world is going to face when you're interacting with non-Jews on, on a regular basis. And there is uh, the parties that, that, that many people have, almost have no choice but to attend and have to be part of and to be able to maintain our values and maintain what that looks like and how to interact them is a real, real challenge. And you know, I guess Baruch Hashem, the luxury of, of I don't have to deal with this and certainly in the ways that someone in the working world, but it's, I, it really is very, very much and just hearing from so many people the challenges of interacting in this way is, is, a, is a real, real difficulty. And it, it's, it's true in, it's in so, many different, so many different areas. Someone was talking to me yesterday about what is, is it appropriate to say Merry Xmas to his coworkers? You know, I, I, I almost had a hard time relating to that. How could a Yid let those words pass his mouth, right? It's, it's, and I was trying to, you know, explain to him, and, and it was a conversation where, you know, talking the sensitivity of, like, you know, just saying those words itself, you know, just from a halakhic perspective, right? The word Jesus is, one can say that word. That word is a person's name. That word's first and allowed to say that word. The word that follows that, C-H-R-I-S-T, is also to say, right, in context with his name. That concept represents a deity, talks about a, talking about a, a concept of, of a godly type figure. It's also to say that. And it's something which is from a halakhic perspective. What if you're referring to a hospital? Oh, okay. So, so, so it's referring to a hospital or a day, right? So it's not also to say it. But there's sensitivity. So referring to a hospital, I, I, I don't try, I try not to use that word. I just, I'm comfortable using the word and try to avoid it. Obviously, I have no choice, I have no choice. If you're telling someone I have to get to that hospital and trying to figure out which hospital you're going to, right? <laughs> I have to say the word, right? But at the end of the day, right, it's something which is, you should be uncomfortable using that word, right? It's a word referring to a, a non-Jewish God, right? To a, to, a, to a Christian God, right? That's what he made himself out to be and that's what it, it refers to as. So, Saying Merry Xmas, and especially saying it out as, as, is something which, which we, we need to be uncomfortable with. And need to be, feel pride that we know we don't go down that path. And we maybe say Happy Holidays, maybe. And we spoke about when it's appropriate, when it's not. And we had a whole conversation with this person in terms of, you know, certainly to avoid the words Merry Xmas and, and not to, that should not be something which a person is associating with. And yes, perhaps saying Happy Holidays if necessary. But even that, trying to move away from the idea of that celebration, the connection to their holidays. Does, does, we have to maintain of, of who we are and a certain pride and distinction and a separation who we are. I guess there are many situations where it's impossible and it's, and it's very difficult and we have to you know, interact in certain ways. But to the extent that we can maintain that separation and still live among them with our values, with our, what we stand for, with what we, we're proud of, is it, crucial. And that's really what Yosef epitomized this concept. Antoninus and Rebbe were another example of that. And Chazal say that's something which was taken and taught to us by... Yosef, and then give it over to Antoninus. That's the second. The third is probably the most difficult. The third is the treasure of, and, and the struggle that came with, with Sinas Chinam. 
Yosef struggle with this. Obviously, the brothers struggle with this, this idea of, of them getting along together and their ability to interact together, together properly. At the end of the day, Yosef resolved it. You know, it's incredible how after all Yosef was put through and the way that he was treated by the brothers and the way he was dealt with, Yosef is, spends the rest of his lifetime reassuring them that everything's going to be okay. Right, the Archaim points out an incredible thing that he says that we find very little interaction between Yosef and Yaakov until Yaakov dies. And the Archaim says that Yosef never allowed himself to be together with Yaakov alone. Why? He knew as soon as he would be himself alone with Yaakov, Yaakov would say, by the way, what happened? And Archaim says, Yosef never told Yaakov. And not only didn't he tell him, he didn't allow himself to be alone with Yaakov because he knew if we'd be alone, Yaakov would ask him what happened. And start questioning him, like, you know, how this, tell me how the events played out. And Yaakov never knew. Archaim says Yaakov never knew exactly really what happened. And the level, the sensitivity that that took for Yosef not to, not just, not, just not have an animosity, not just not to take revenge on them, but to go at, to extreme measures to counteract the hatred with love and taking care of the, the Shvatim, not allowing Yaakov, because he knew how much heartache would cause the Yaakov and how much tainage we have in the brothers if he ever found that what really happened. All that was Yosef was epitomized the, the antidote to Sinas Chinev was fighting it with Ava, fighting it with love, fighting it with the, the, the caring and taking care of, of the Achim. And what he did, he literally was wanting to care them for all the rest of the years. They were in Mitzrayim, he took care of, of the Shvatim, he took care of, of Yaakov. He was the one who sustained them and took care of them, made sure that they were well. And more than that, right, the, the end of last week's passage talks about the, the things that, that Yosef set up, realizing that he wanted to make them more comfortable. Right? The, the Pesukim are clear that every person ended up selling their field or selling their houses to Yosef because they, they didn't have food. And Chazal pointed out the reason why Yosef did that particularly was everyone should be a stranger. He moved everyone around, everyone was in different, everyone gave up their homes, and Yosef decided where you lived. Why? Because he wanted to make sure that the brothers who came down from, to Mitzrayim shouldn't feel unique. We're the ones who are the strangers. Everyone else is comfortable in their place. So everyone was a stranger. Everyone was in a new home, in a new place. That means Yosef was going to extreme measures of sensitivity, of really above, way above and beyond in order to make the Ba'achim comfortable. After all that, they, that, that he did, and Chazal really portraying something which is unfortunate, that treasure is somewhat hidden until Lassalavo, until Mashiach comes. That means that's going to be the antidote to bring Mashiach. That's going to be what's necessary to allow Mashiach to come. When we're able to go and overcome every aspect of sinas chinam with the most overpowering feelings of ava, of giving, of taking care of, of interacting in that way that Yosef did with everyone else in Klal Yisrael. And until that happens, that treasure remains buried. It's going to be buried, it remains buried, and it's only going to come up and, and resurface when, when Klal Yisrael as a nation learns to overcome this challenge, which happens which happens through sinna, which happens through interaction of people, and something which we certainly are challenged with. And it'll take Talasalavo to undo that. So I think these are three incredible lessons that Yosef was really implanting into Kalah Yisrael, the lesson of, of how leadership plays out, where Kalash Baruch was involved in particularly leadership is, the interaction with the world around us, and the ability to maintain our identity and our uniqueness in the challenge of the world around us, and then the way to counteract
even sinner, even out, outward negativity and hatred, to be able to counteract that with the opposite and to overcome that and to be able to hopefully do away with that through the counteraction of Ava. And Bezer Hashem, the first two treasures have somewhat been realized, something which again is, is a legacy that Yosef left for all of generations, but the Chazal pointing out, place the word surfaced through Korach and through Antoninus and Rebbe. And the third one certainly, which hasn't fully surfaced yet, it's going to surface and needs to surface with the ability of Kalah Yisrael to overcome that, and through that bring the ultimate goal of Razor Hashem.